Second Chronicles chapter 32, and we're going to begin reading in verse 9. But before we read, let me just remind you of where we're at in our study in Hezekiah. Remember Hezekiah became king. He immediately set in order that they restore uh, back uh, the temple the way it was as God meant it to be. Um, he brought great, if you will, revival uh, through Hezekiah. And what took place? Well, the temple was cleansed, the priests became cleansed, the people began to be cleansed, and they celebrated the Passover as God had given them to celebrate. Then remember last Sunday morning, we looked at chapter 31, verse 1, and what do we find out? The outflow of celebrating the Passover. They went into their own towns, they went into their own cities, and they began to purge out or pull out all the idolatrous things that Ahaz had led them to place at the corner of every city. In other words, they had a desire for holiness. Why? Because now they had got their hearts right with God, and they began to obey God. But then, remember Sunday night, we looked and we saw that when you start obeying God, you can count on it, attacks are going to come. And you're going to have those unexpected attacks that are going to come. The king of Syria rose up against Hezekiah and the children of Israel. And as the king of Assyria rose up against Hezekiah, the king of Israel, he began to take the walled cities around Jerusalem. And Hezekiah got in the flesh. And Hezekiah panicked ceased to trust God, went out and tried to make an alliance with the king of Assyria and gave him gold and silver that came from the actual temple. And yet Hezekiah realized that that wasn't going to work and that wasn't what God would have. And Hezekiah repented and Hezekiah told the people, he said, even though they have more than we do, he said, God is enough. And he said, let's trust the Lord to God. Now, Y'all got all that? All right, that, that's five messages. So watch where we're at in verse 9. After this, what I just shared with you, did Sanarib, the king of Assyria, send his servants to Jerusalem, but he himself laid seed against Lachish and all of his power with him. Unto Hezekiah, king of Judah, and unto all Judah that were at Jerusalem, saying, Thus saith Shonagrib, the king of Assyria, Whereon do you trust that you abide in the siege in Jerusalem? Doth not Hezekiah persuade you to give over yourselves to die by famine and by thirst, saying, The Lord our God shall deliver us out of the hand of the king of Assyria? Hath not the same Hezekiah taken away his high places, his altars, and commanded Judah and Jerusalem, saying, You shall worship before one altar and burn incense upon it? Know you not what I and my fathers have done unto all the people of the lands, where the gods of the nations of those lands any way able to deliver their land out of my hand? Who hath there among all the gods of those nations that my fathers utterly destroyed that could deliver his people out of my hand, that your God should be able to deliver you out of my hand? Let's pray. Father, I pray you'd use this passage, speak to our heart, glorify yourself, and how you do it, in Jesus' name. And all God's children said, amen. You may be seated. So if you remember what took place, Hezekiah has now turned to the Lord, began to trust the Lord, began to encourage the people to trust the Lord. But can I tell you something? Even though you and I come to the place of realizing that it's not our flesh that can help us. It's only God that can help us. Don't think that the tax won't continue to come. 
And what you find here in verse number 9 is the pursuit of the enemy. You see, one thing about our enemy that you always have to understand is our enemy is relentless in how he pursues and how he attacks. The Bible gives us many verses about that. But can I tell you, your enemy is, is not just Satan. We always try to ascribe our enemy as Satan, and he is. But can I tell you, the biggest enemy you and I have is self. The biggest enemy you have is flesh. And so what the reality is your flesh will rise up and your flesh will begin to attack and your flesh will begin to try to manipulate you in a way where you do not give yourself an abandonment to faith in God instead of the world or yourself. And so this is what took place. And so we see in verse 9 where now the Shinograk rib, the king of Assyria, has sent messengers and began to try to, if you will, bring scare or fear upon Hezekiah and the children of Israel. It's a relentless pursuit. But I want you to see, secondly, the propaganda of the enemy. So what did the king of Assyria say to try to get Israel to surrender or allow him to take Jerusalem. Well, can I tell you, what he tried to say to them is the same thing. Your flesh, this world, and our enemy will do to us. And so I want you to look at these things together with me. The first thing is what I call the denouncing of Israel's allegiance. The denouncing of Israel's allegiance. Now look at this with me in verse 10. That did Shonagrib, king of Assyria... Wherein do you trust that you abide in the siege of Jerusalem? Doth not Hezekiah persuade you to give over yourselves to die of famine? The Lord our God shall deliver us out of the hand of the king of Assyria. So what is he saying here? He says, do you really think God can help you? He said, do you really think what Hezekiah is telling you is true? Do you really think God's going to come and help you against me, the king of Assyria, and my mighty armor and my mighty army? And notice what he says up in, in verse number 14. Who is there among all gods of these nations that my father utterly destroyed that could deliver his people out of the, my hand that your God should be able to deliver you out of my hand? So here's what he does. The king of Assyria, if you will, attaches all the idols of other, other nations to the Lord God of Israel, and he says, do you really think if the other gods of other nations couldn't deliver them, do you really think your God can deliver you? Can I tell you one of the things that will happen when, when, the, when your flesh, our enemy, begins to attack you? He'll try to get you to a place where you realize your allegiance, your, your faith, your abandonment of faith in the Lord is really not enough. He'll try to get you to a place where you begin to trust your own way of thinking. He'll begin to get you to a place where you trust your own uh, way of handling situations. He'll, he'll begin to get you to trust in your own ideology, your own theology, and he'll get you to trust in everything else but just in the Lord. Because can I tell you today, one of the greatest tools our enemy will use against us is our own way of thinking. Your flesh will convince you that how you've chose to live is okay with God. And can I tell you, God don't understand that because God's laid it out in his word. And what the king of Assyria tried to do is try to make them question their allegiance to God. 
Now you say, well, preacher, I'd never let anybody cause me to question my allegiance with God. Well, you may not do it verbally. But can I tell you, when you choose your way over God's way, you do it in a far greater way than verbally. And so this is what the king of Assyria is trying to do. And by the way, isn't it the same thing that the serpent did to Eve? I mean, what did the serpent say to Eve? Did God really say? You really going to believe what he said? You know, Eve, listen, you just didn't hear him right. And, and, and then Eve got to thinking. And when Eve got to thinking, she was done. Because when you start thinking in the realm of your own way, can I tell you, you literally take yourself out of the will of God. So this is the first thing that took place here. Now, let me show you here that not only did he do this, but in doing this, he then clothed it, if you will, in religiosity. Matter of fact, if you go to 2 Kings chapter 18, verse 25, you have this story. It, it blends between 2 Kings and 2 Chronicles. And so we have to bring them both in to get the full panoramic picture of it. But notice what these, these, these servants of, of the king of Assyria went on to say. The king of Assyria went on to say, Am I now come up without the Lord against this place to destroy it? The Lord said to me, Go up against this land and destroy it. So what does he say now? He said, are you really going to trust your allegiance with God of Israel? Are you really going to trust what the God that Hezekiah is telling you to trust? He said, I'm telling you, God told me to come and destroy the city. Can I tell you something? Your flesh will lie to you all the time. One of the things that you and I need to understand is your flesh, just like Satan, is the father of life. And, and you have to be careful because what will happen is you'll convince yourself through your flesh that what I'm doing or how I'm handling this situation is, is okay. And, and in reality, you're just not trusting the Lord. This is how these attacks happen. And can I tell you, Satan's very smart about it. Just like your flesh is very, very enticing. Now, I want you to see, not only do you see the denouncing of Israel's allegiance, you see the defilement of Israel's alliance. Now, this is found in, in 2 Kings. So turn with me in 2 Kings chapter 18, because we have something in 2 Kings that's not given to us in 2 Chronicles. Because the king of Assyria brings up to Hezekiah and those around Hezekiah the sin of Hezekiah. Notice what he says in verse number 20 of chapter 18 of 2 Kings. Thou sayest, but they are but vain words. I have counsel and strength for war, but on whom do thou trust that thou rebellest against me? Now, where does this rebellious against me come from? Well, remember when Hezekiah became king, it says he rebelled against the king of Assyria. Why did he rebel against the king of Assyria? Because his father had given allegiance to the king of Assyria, and Hezekiah knew this was not of the Lord. And he said, so the king of Assyria throws this back up to him. said, you rebelled against me, but look who you did align yourself with. Notice what he says here. Look at this with me in verse number 21. Now behold, thou trustest upon the staff of this bruised reed, even upon Egypt in which is a man lean. It will go into his hand and pierce it, and so is Pharaoh king of Egypt unto all that trust in him. So what does he say here? Here, somewhere in the midst of all of this, something took place. And you say, what took place? Well, here's what took place. Somewhere in the middle of all this, 
Hezekiah had come and made an alliance with Egypt and Egypt became someone he began to put his trust in. And in the midst of that, isn't it amazing? The king of Assyria had nothing to do with Israel. Knew it and brought it up to him. And the king of Assyria said something that was true. He said, your alliance with Egypt is like you leaning upon a bruised reed. Now, how many agree a reed can be a sturdy thing? But if it's bruised inside, it's easily, easily snapped. And so here's what the king of Assyria said. said, you say you're going to trust God. You're telling your people to trust God. And yet you yourself went down to Egypt and made an alliance with the Egyptians. Now, Isaiah warned Hezekiah about this. Matter of fact, Isaiah said this in Isaiah chapter 31. He said, listen, he said, do not put your trust in Egypt. And then he went on to say this, for they are man and not God. Can I tell you something your flesh will do? Your flesh will lead you to putting all of your trust in the world, in man, or in yourself instead of the Lord. You say, well, preacher, I don't believe that. Oh, I want to tell you, you better believe that because it's absolutely true. You see, one of the things you and I need to understand today is our enemy is very cunning, very smart. And not only will he denounce our allegiance to the Lord, but he'll do everything he can to cause you and I to defile ourselves by aligning ourselves with other entities other than the Lord. And this is something that you and I need to be aware of in our lives. Well, I want you to see, uh, thirdly here, the discrediting of Israel's actions. Look with me, if you will, at verse number 12 of Second Chronicles. Verse number 12 of Second Chronicles. He, he goes on to say, Hath not the same Hezekiah taken away his high places and his altars and commanded Judah and Jerusalem, you shall worship before one altar and burn incense upon it? Here's what he's saying. He says, are you going to trust Hezekiah, who's as narrow as he is? He's so narrow that he's telling you that you cannot worship but upon one altar and one God. Are you going to really put your trust in someone that's that narrow? You know, folks, here's something that our flesh is very cunning about. Our flesh is very, very cunning to understand that if, if you can get to the place of realizing that Christianity is a narrow way, then all of a sudden you begin to second guess obeying God. But can I tell you, it is a narrow way. And so what took place here is he began to discredit their activity what were they doing obeying God getting rid of all the idolatrous things worshiping the Lord God as God said to worship in the temple upon his altar upon his 
place of sacrifice. But yet the king of Assyria came along and said what? Oh, that's too narrow. That's too narrow. Can I tell you what gets people madder at me than anything? For years. It's always been this way. It always will be this way. What gets people madder at me as a pastor than anything that I've ever had in ministry is this. Because I am absolutely steadfast, devout, on that you and I need to continuously always give ourselves to the Word of God in preaching, in teaching, and in study. And that we should not find any excuse or any reason to get out from under the Word of God. And people say, that's narrow. No, it's not narrow, it's biblical. And you say, well, preacher, you need to let up on that a little bit because that's just too narrow for me. Well, listen, listen, to the day I die, I'm going to say this. Why? Because it's essential to Christian living. You can't live the Christian life as God said to live it unless you give yourself to the Word of God. And so what took place here was this, that, that the king of Assyria came along and he said, listen, can you believe Hezekiah would make you tear down the high places? That's the places where they worshipped idols, tear down all the altars. Can you believe that the Hezekiah would make you just worship upon one altar and burn incense unto one God? Can you really trust a man like that? A lot of times when we're trying to obey God, your flesh will come along and try to cause you to second-think it, second-guess it. And that's what he did to Eve. He made Eve think from a different perspective. And when she did, it led to a tragic thing. So what do we find here? We find the attacks of the enemy in these ways. We find it in the denouncement of, of their allegiance and the defilement of their alliance and the discrediting of their actions. But let me show you verse 17, the disparaging of Israel's ability. Look at verse 17. He wrote also letters to rail on the Lord God of Israel and to speak against him, saying, As the gods of the nations and other lands have not delivered their people out of my hand, so shall not God of Hezekiah deliver his people out of my hand. Now you say, what do you mean? He, he is disparaging their, their ability. Here's what he's trying to get them to understand. That you think you can trust God and God will deliver you. He said, I'm telling you right now, that's not going to happen. And can I tell you, one of the things you and I need to understand, without Christ we can do, but with Christ we can do all things. And here's what your flesh will do. Your flesh will convince you, well, I can't obey God here. I'm not gifted at that. I don't have the ability to do that. Well, guess what? God wouldn't have called you if you had the ability to do it. Because if you had the ability to do it without him, why would he call you to do it? Because then who's going to get the glory, you or him? See, what does our enemy try to do? He tries to get us to the place where we question not our ability without God, because we don't have any, but our ability with Him. I have people tell me all the time, say, Preacher, I, I, I really, really, really want to give myself to this, but I just, I'm just, it's just not my area where I'm comfortable and I'm uh, able. And I said, you're the perfect person for it. 
Because when you're there, guess what? You can't depend upon yourself to accomplish it. You have to depend upon Him. And that's what God always is seeking to do. But your flesh will convince you otherwise every single time. I don't know how many times I've had people come to me and say, Preacher, I I can't do this. And I say, perfect. And they'll look at me real funny and they'll say, What do you mean perfect? I said, well, that's what God wants you to be, that you can't do it, but he can. How many of y'all can live the Christian life without God? None of us. But how many of you know that he can live the Christian life through you? You see, what, this, what the king of Assyria was trying to get them to do is question their ability. Why? Because if they question their ability in the Lord, then they won't fight. And they'll just surrender. Let me give you an example of this. Okay? Let me give you an example of a people that did not know the Lord. How many of you remember when when Israel was going to go across the Jordan into the promised land? You remember God uh, God allowed them to send some spies to spy out the promised land? Y'all remember that? Say amen. All right, so what took place? Well, they came to a a woman's house named Rahab. And when these spies got to this woman's house named Rahab, what took place? Well, Rahab said, where you been? Y'all remember that? What do you mean, where we been? Well, I mean, listen, we've, we've been fearful. We've been defeated ever since we heard what God did at the Red Sea. Where you been? You see, they were already defeated before the spies ever went across the Jordan. Why? Because they were convinced they couldn't fight against the God of Israel. See, we're always thinking, well, you know, our enemy, he's so powerful. He is. But listen, if God be for you, who can be against you? But see, these attacks, they come, and they come, and they come, and they come, and they come. Many times they come from those that are closest to you. Many times they come from the inside, not the outside. Sometimes they come from the outside. And all this time, trying to question, have you really obeyed God? Can you really do this? That's what what the king of Assyria is doing here. Now, notice this last thing, the discouraging of Israel's attention. Look at verse 18. Now they go outside the city walls of Jerusalem and they began to cry to the people inside. They cried with a loud voice in in Jews' speech. uh, In other words, in Arabic. And they cried with a loud voice in Arabic unto the people of Jerusalem that were on the wall to affright them and to trouble them that they might take the city. And they spake against the God of Jerusalem as against the gods of the people of the earth and were the work of the hands of man. So what they do? Now they stood outside the city walls of Jerusalem. They began to cry in, 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 in Arabic. And the children of Israel heard it in their own language. And what were they doing? Discouraging them. Discouraging them. Why? Because if they could discourage them, they could get their attention away from the God of Israel. Can I tell you something? One of the greatest things your flesh will do is pull your attention away from the Lord. You say, how does he do it? He'll get you attention on everything else. Listen, if there's ever been a day we've lived this, we just lived this in the last year and a half. You can't tell me that people didn't get their minds off of God and got their minds on a disease. 
You say, well, how do you know it pulled their attention away? Because many of them ain't came back yet. See, it's not much for God, for God to pull your attention to himself. But it's just as easy for your flesh to pull your attention away. He'll put things in your life that is a passion to you. And you begin to go all in, all out for those things. And you get your mind and your attention and your affection on those things. And all of a sudden you find the things of God begin to wane in your life. It could be things like your job. It could be things like your hobbies. It could be things like entertainment. It could be things that sometimes are just things that bring fear in your life or bring worry in your life. But can I tell you, the enemy is absolutely artistic in how he draws your attention away from the Lord. That's what he did with Eve. Remember he said, did God really say? But then what did he say? Eve, you can be as God. What'd that cause in Eve? Wow. Really? I can be as God? I mean, I can control my own life. <laughs> I can call my own shots. I, I can do what I want to do, when I want to do it, how I want to do it. I can know what is good and evil. I can, I can determine in myself what's good for me. I don't have to have anybody tell me what I'm to do with my time or my talents. What did he do? Same thing the king of Syria is doing. Causing us to focus on something else other than the Lord God of Israel. Well, all that's the bad news. Y'all ready for the good news? Say amen. How many agree we're all going to have moments of flesh? I had a man one time tell me, say, well, I don't believe somebody can be saved and have a moment in the flesh. Well, they ain't walked in my shoes. So what happens when we step out in the flesh? What happens when we allow our flesh to dictate to us and cause us to have our attention and our allegiance pulled? Aren't you glad today God's still faithful? Watch what takes place here. I want you to see thirdly the praying about the enemy. Look at verse 20. And, after, and for this cause, in other words, after all this propaganda, trying to get their attention and their allegiance and, their, and all these things taking place, it says, and for this cause, Hezekiah the king and the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amoz, prayed and cried to heaven. But I want you to see a couple of things. Out of 2 Kings chapter 19. The catalyst for this prayer. Where did this prayer come from? You say, well, after these things. Well, listen, the troubles was part of it. But on what basis were they going to pray? Turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 19. And I want you to see this with me just a moment. 
2 Kings chapter 19, look at verse 6 and 7. And Isaiah said unto them, now this is after the servants of the king of Assyria have said all these things. And Isaiah said unto them, Thus shall you say to your master. In other words, God saying to Isaiah, You say this to them. Thus saith the Lord, Be not afraid of the words which thou hast heard, which thy servants, the king of Assyria, hast blasphemed Behold, I will send a blast upon him, and he shall hear a rumor, and shall return to his own land, and I will cause him to fall by the sword in his own land. So what did... What did what did Isaiah, the prophet of God, say? He said, listen, here's what God says about all this. He said, God said, listen, don't you listen to him. Don't you give an ear to him. Listen, listen, church, don't you give an ear to your flesh or to this world. You listen to what God has to say. And then he says, for I, the Lord, will come against the Assyrians. And not only the Assyrians, but the king himself. So now they have a word from God. Now why, why is that important? Now they have something to faith. I hear people all the time say, well, if you just think positive enough, God will do it. Well, I got news for you. The Bible says faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. In other words, if God ain't spoken it, you don't have none to faith. But when God says something, you've got something to faith. And God through the prophet Isaiah has said, listen, I'm going to win the battle for you. I'm going to fight the war for you. All you've got to do is trust me in it. And then right at that became the catalyst. And Hezekiah got on his face before God. And when he got on his face before God, he began to pray and trust God. Because now he has something to faith. That's the catalyst of the prayer. Can I tell you, your prayer life ought to always be centered on what God says. But notice the content of the prayer. Stay with me, if you will, in 2 Kings chapter 19 and look at verse 14. It says, And Hezekiah, the king of Judah, sent to the kings... I'm sorry, I'm in 18. 2 Kings chapter 19, verse 14. Notice what it says. And Hezekiah received the letter of the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and spread it out before the Lord. So in other words, all this propaganda that the king of Assyria is putting out, what did he do? He took it to God. Now watch this. And Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord God of Israel, which dwelleth between the cherubims, thou art God, even thou alone, for all the kingdoms of the earth thou hast made heaven and earth. Now remember what king of Assyria said. King of Assyria lumped the God, the only God, with the idols of all the other nations. And he lumped them together and said, Hey, listen, what those idols do for those other nations? We still took them. You really think your God's going to do anything different? But notice what Hezekiah said, Lord, you're the only God. And you're sufficient. You made the heavens and the earth. Have you ever thought that when you go to the Lord in prayer, that you're praying to the one that spoke and creation came into existence? Isn't that amazing? Now you say, well, preacher, I believed it happened over millions and millions and millions of years. Well, you need to read Genesis chapter 1. Notice what he goes on. He says, verse 17 of chapter 19, he says, of a truth, the Lord, the kings of Assyria have destroyed the nations and their lands. What did he say? You know, Lord, listen, they're, they're a mighty people. They got a big army. And they've wreaked havoc across this world. Now you say, well, you shouldn't, you shouldn't confess negative things. I'm going to tell you something. 
One of the greatest things that can happen to you is realize that it is what it is. There's nothing wrong with seeing the problem for what it is. So what did Hezekiah say? You know, Lord, it's, it's true. This king of Assyria, he, he's, he's a mighty force. See, a lot of times we don't know what to pray because we're too blind to see what's going on. Y'all say amen. Now, if you listen to a man out of Texas, and I won't name his name, but Joe Olstein, he'll just tell you, think positive about everything. Just think positive, and it'll be all right. Well, can I tell you, it'll do you far more good to see things for what they are so you really know how to pray. By the way, I, I'm just going to throw this. This is extra credit. This don't cost you a dime. Y'all say amen. He wrote a book called My Best Life Now. Can I ask you a question? So millions and millions and number one bestseller on New York Times. Can I ask you a question? If this is my best life now, I'm going to hate heaven. Y'all get that when you get home. If this is my best life now, I'm in trouble. <laughs> Y'all get that later on. But notice what he says here. Verse 18, and have cast their gods into fire, for they are no, were no gods, but work of my, man's hands, wood, stone. Therefore, ha, they have destroyed them. Now, therefore, look at verse 19, here it is. Now, therefore, O Lord our God, I beseech thee, save thou us out of his hand. But here's what I want you to catch. What's the motivation for asking God to save them? Does he say, save us out of his hands that we don't die? That we don't have to live in famine, thirst, hunger? Save us out of his hands so we can live a better life. Save us out of his hands so we don't have to suffer any more sorrow and heartache and agony. Now see, Hezekiah knew how to pray. He said, save us out of his hands that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that thou art the Lord God, even thou only. When you go to the Lord and ask the petitions of your heart, what's the motivation? Is it so your life would be better? Or is it so he would be glorified and exalted? Can I tell you the only thing that matters? Is him being glorified and exalted? And if he's glorified and exalted, here's the good news. He'll take care of you. See the content of his prayer. I could preach a message just on that prayer. The Lord wouldn't let me do it. Now let's look at the last thing. Notice the peril of the enemy. Second Chronicles, chapter 32, verse 21. And the Lord sent an angel which cut off the mighty men of valor and leaders and captains in the camp of the king of Assyria. So he returned with shame of face to his own land. And when he was coming to the house of his God, they that come forth 
of his own bowels slew him there with a sword. Thus the Lord saved Hezekiah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem from the hand of Shanarib, the king of Assyria, and from the hand of all other, and guided them on every side. Second Kings gives us a little more detail. Second Kings 19, verse 35. And it came to pass that night that the angel of the Lord went out and smote in the camp of the Assyrians a hundred fourscore and five thousand. And when they arose early in the morning, behold, they were all dead corpses. What do you find? The defeat of the king of Syria. What did God do? Get your spear. Get your sword. Get your shield. Get ready. And when I say go, go! Charge! Is that what he did? No. At night, Israel was asleep in Jerusalem. Syrians were asleep in their camp. And God sent an angelic host. And the Assyrians never woke up. So what does Israel have to do? I mean, preacher, I've got to do something. What does Israel have to do? Just rest and trust. And what did they find? God fought their battles for them. You feel like you're always being attacked. Circumstances. People, work, family. You feel like you've always been attacked. Why don't you do this? Just be still. And know the Lord is God. Why would God ask us to fight his battles for him anyway? What does that say to the world? God, you're not able. Let me help you out a little bit. You say, well, I would never say that, preacher. No, but can I tell you, our actions speak a lot louder than our words. What we do is we come up, all right, well, listen, I've got to figure out a way out of this thing. Well, you know, if I do this and I do this, and I do this. How about this? Lord, I can't. But you can. Thank you. Say, preacher, what am I thanking him for? What he promised he would do. So what do you find? The defeat of the king of Syria. But notice this. You find the demise of the king of Syria. It's said in our passage that those of his own bowels came against him. And 2 Kings chapter 19 gives us more detail. Let me just recap it for you real quick. The king of Assyria in shame went back to Nineveh. Now, I could preach on that too, but I'm not going there either. Y'all say amen. He went back to Nineveh. And he went in to a pagan temple to worship his God. And his two sons came and slew him. 
say, preacher, what's the principle? You can't speak against the Lord God and get away with it. This world is trying to denounce and discredit our Lord. But can I tell you, I've read the end of the book. The Lord wins. Your enemy, Satan, is trying everything he can, seeking that that he may devour, trying everything he can to persuade you and I away from our alliance and our allegiance with the Lord. But can I tell you something? I've read the end of the book. He'll be cast in the lake of fire for eternity. So here it is in a nutshell. You being attacked? It's relentless sometimes, isn't it? Let me agree, sometimes it just gets old. It just flat gets old. But I got some good news for you. Why don't you learn from Hezekiah? Get a word from God. Take that word back to him. Trust him in it. Rest, trust, and let God be God in your life. In this world, you're going to have tribulation. But Jesus said, remember, I've overcome the world. So what in the world can any of us ever go through that God's not more than enough to take care of. Say, preacher, I've been so discouraged. There's just been so much going on, and I'm just so discouraged. How about this morning? Get on your face before God and say, thank you. You are the only God. And you are sufficient and you're more than enough. And Father, I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know how you're going to do it. I don't have a word about this situation. But here's what I do know. You're more than enough to take care of it. And I'm just going to rest in you. Can I tell you when you do that? He'll be everything you need. He may not take you out of it. But he'll ever be everything you need while he walks you through it. Because here's the good news. If you're saved today, we all eventually come out of it. Because absent from the body to be present with the Lord. Isn't that good news? Say amen. So what about it? You ready to just listen, quit listening to your flesh? Quit listening to this world? And just say, God, you speak, and I'll trust you. Father, have your will and your way in this time of invitation. Glorify yourself and what you do and how you work. Father, there may be individuals or individual here that Father, they're just going through 
stuff that I would have no comprehension of, have no, no reason to even know the depth of what they're going through. Father, I pray this morning that these truths have helped them to realize that no matter how, what they're going through, no matter how deep the despair, you're enough. For you're the one that spoke and creation came into existence. You're the one that our faith is in through the Lord Jesus. Father, you are enough. But Father, maybe there's individuals here and they just have to be honest. They really, really and truly in their heart of hearts, they know. They have religion. But they don't have life. Because all they know is walking as man walks. Desiring as man desires, living to please self. Maybe today you're ready to give them life. So, Father, wherever we are, saved, lost, you're sufficient for every need. But, Father, we've got to obey you, we've got to trust you. Father, I pray this morning we'd obey you in whatever you're saying to our hearts. In Jesus' name, and all God's children say,